Michelle Swizza received her Master of Science in Nonprofit Management from the Milano School for Management and Earth Policy in New York City in 2017. Prior to that, Ms. Swizza completed a Master of Arts degree in Political Science, American Government at Brooklyn College in 2010. Ms. Swizza founded Dare to Run, a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to train women how to run for public office in New York City. Dare to Run was the byproduct of her PDR for the nonprofit management program at the business school. She wrote a business plan for Dare to Run, has it incorporated shortly after graduating in 2017. Dare to Run has launched its first cohort of the Women's Leadership Training Program last year in 2019. Please help me welcome Ms. Rochelle Swizza to T's Table Talk. Thank you for joining me today on T's Table Talk. Uh, we are fortunate to have Rochelle Swizza. She is the founder of Dare to Run, a not-for-profit organization that helps women prepare to run for a public office. Rochelle, thank you for joining me today on T's Table Talk. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, of course, always, anytime. You're welcome anytime. Um, I know you are busy. I know uh, your organization is ramped up. Uh, and um, But for our listeners that don't know anything about Dare to Run, can you just tell us what it is in more detail and, and its purpose in a little more detail than what I just uh, said there? Sure, absolutely, and thank you again. So we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization that trains women how to run for public office. Uh, we're going to be pivoting to virtual this year. Our virtual program will be starting after Labor Day in September. We have extended the deadline to August 31st to give more people around the country an opportunity to apply. So basically what we have is a two-semester training program that gives women the skills they need to run successful campaigns. In the first semester, they focus on everything they need for a campaign. The second semester, they tend to focus more on what they need to do once they get into public office, right? So once they actually acquire the seat. And then we also provide internships and mentorships for our alumni of the program. And we also have access to a variety of other panels and events in the community that we like to host as well, so. Okay, oh, that sounds, that sounds amazing. Um, I, I have some questions um, for you based off of uh, what you described there. So your organization um, doesn't just focus on acquiring uh, potential candidates from New York City. It's national as well? Uh, yes, it, it is national as well. Um, and, and because we're pivoting to virtual, you know, the platform and the training program can be accessed from basically any state in the union, right? So we want to give women, particularly women in, in areas where their representation is historically low, we want to give them the opportunity to really be able to complete the program and, and get the information and the resources they need. So the virtual pivot is actually coming at a very good time. I, so I would imagine that if someone is applying from another state, uh, you know, um, you you would give them, there's a, maybe a more specialized programming for folks that are uh, running out of other states, or is it the same programming? Uh, I mean, the information is going to be, uh, you know, so there's certain seminars that require more state-specific information, like, for example, traditional media and campaigns. 
you know, obviously mm-hmm. what you can do at polling places in New York City may be different than what you can do in Selma, Alabama or Jacksonville, Florida. So for that, for, right. you know, for those types of mailers and information, that will be more state specific. But the general concepts, mm-hmm. you know, about fundraising, about political tax, all of these things will be kind of looked at from a more national perspective. So it won't be focused, even oh. though the program did originate in New York, it won't be New York specific information. It'll be information that can be accessed by people around the country and that's applicable to them. That's amazing. That is so amazing. Thank you so much for uh, explaining that and going into a little more detail about that. And, uh, you know, the fact uh, that you have expanded your reach, right, um, to national, nationally, it's, it's really the perfect time, I think. Um, so congratulations to you on that. Um, Thank so, you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, can you just us the, the catalyst for establishing um, your Dare to Run program. What led you there to, to create this, this organization? Sure, absolutely. I mean, so, you know, it's interesting because my first, my first master's degree I got from Brooklyn College um, about, I would say about 10 years ago now, and my degree mm-hmm. was in political science. So we had to write a thesis. Obviously, when you do political science, you have to do research and a thesis. So I chose the topic of kind of a comparative analysis of Hillary Clinton and Sarah Palin and what their different mm-hmm. paths to public office were. And so I wrote essentially 100 pages. I know it doesn't seem like a lot today. Today, you could write about 1,000 pages about Hillary, and it still wouldn't be enough. But <laughs> I wrote, you know, as you can imagine. So I, but I did kind of take a look. My paper tended to focus on Clinton's path to public office versus Palin's path and, you know, what the similarities and differences were. And as you can imagine, there were a lot of There were similarities? No, I'm joking. Yeah, exactly, right? No, there, there were very, very, very few similarities. So, you know, in all honesty, right? And, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. the point was to, to kind of look at how women, you know, how Democratic women rise to public office versus how Republican women rise to public office. So, um, so yeah, I did that research, and I kind of looked at different theories, you know, different theories surrounding why women run and the theories of mobilization for female candidates. You know, how did women mobilize? how did Hillary mobilize women to run for office differently than Palin? And as you can imagine, there were stark differences. So, but yeah, and then, but you know, it's funny after I finished this, I'm thinking like, so what am I going to do with this? I wrote this paper. That's great. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. sure everybody's going to read it and go, you know, but what, like, what's the point of this? What's the purpose? So I I thought again, and and I said, let me, why don't I go back and, and try to do like a nonprofit degree and then see if I can set up an organization that trains more women how to run for public office. And so I did. I went back in 2015 to get my second master's in nonprofit management. And by the time I got to my advanced senior thesis class, the professor was really kind of, you know, I sat down and I had a discussion with him and I told him that I wanted to start an organization that trained women how to run. And he's like, you know, he got really hype about that. He's like, you have to write a business plan. You have to do a business plan. This is really important. We don't have any organizations mm-hmm. like this. And I'm like, no, we, we have some organizations like this, but maybe not nonpartisan. <laughs> you know, we, we, you know mm-hmm. we have Emerge. We have wonderful sister groups like Emerge and Running Start and, you know, all these different groups. But he was really mm-hmm. wanting me to write a business plan. And so I did. So I wrote one. It was 40 pages. It was way too long. He said, that's not a business plan. And he said to me, I know you're coming from a research background, but that's not going to fly with business people, you know, so, so I cut right. it down. They're not going to read through all of it. <laughs> right, right. They're not going to read 40 pages. They probably, they're probably still reeling from reading my paper about Hillary Clinton and Sarah Palin. So. 
but yeah, so yes, I compromised. I cut it down to 13 pages. He wanted me to bring it down to 10, but I could not do that. I'm sorry. There were just three more pages that I had to keep in there. So, so I kept it at 13. Uh-huh. And, but I still got an A on the paper and an A in the class. So that was really great. And then, you know, shortly Amazing. after I graduated, yeah, it was incorporated in the state of New York, which is really great. So for me, it's, it's been a, a long journey. But, you know, we're here and we're at the point where we've already trained the first class of women. We, we held it last year in August. It was an in-person class. So the experience, I'm sure, is different than what it will be virtually. But, you know, it, it's been really great. And we still have very positive relationships with all of our alumni. I keep in touch with them on a regular basis. We're having a celebration for them for Women's Equality Day on August 26th, 100 years of voting rights for women, which is really amazing. So it's, it's been quite a journey to get here, but I, I've really enjoyed every moment of it. And I look forward, hopefully, to someday running for office myself once I've trained enough women how to do that. So. Listen, I would, I would support you wholeheartedly. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, that's, that is really something um, special. When you, when you do something for, from your heart and, you know, you have the passion for that. Um, and so that's, that's really, really great. Uh, you have a really great story, uh, Rochelle. Um, so uh, why do you feel you're the best person to ask? Why do you feel it is important for women to run for office? Well, I mean, you know, it's not like we're like 10 or 15% of the population. You know, people don't realize that women are now 55% of the U.S. population, right? So we actually surpass mm-hmm. the number of men in this country. The average person in the United States right now is a, a white woman in her 30s with brown hair, typically Catholic or Christian, right? So, and, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not to say, of course, we want to be inclusive of all people and all backgrounds. Obviously, that's dare to run. Our core values are inclusion, diversity, and respect. But my point in in making that statement is that the average person in this country is a woman, not a man, right? And and we, Mm -hmm. our Congress, when, if you're an outsider looking in at our Congress and you see a Congress of about 83% white men, that really doesn't reflect the diversity of our country, right? Just because they're white not all white men represent the views of women of, and that includes white women, black women, Hispanic women, Asian women, you know, native American Pacific Islanders, every, every racial and ethnic category of women are not represented by white men. That's my point in saying that. And so we need Mm -hmm. to arrive at a point where women are 50% of Congress, 50% of state legislatures, 50% of district leaders and 50% of city councils, school boards, and even corporate boards around the country, right? And we are just not there. And so that was my goal with founding Dare to Run was to get us to a point, particularly in states in the South, right? But when you look at the Bible Belt and the Sun Belt and even the Rust Belt, women's representation is not where it should be in state legislatures. Now, typically women tend to do better in city councils, right? Because the cities, if you look at Chicago, Dallas, Houston, New York, Los Angeles, these are all represented you know, these are very diverse cities, right? These are massive cities with a lot of people, a lot of diversity. So their city councils are represented. The number of women is much better, right? But when you look at the the state and federal level, that's really where we're lacking. And so the purpose of Dare to Run in this regard is to encourage more women to run for office, women of all backgrounds, racial, ethnic, uh, socioeconomic status, sexual orientation. We work with trans women. We work with women across all creeds and, and basically every aspect of the intersectional spectrum to encourage them to run for office because we want our government to look like what our people look like. Right now, our government does not look like 
us as a nation. And that's a big problem. So we need to change that. Because once we do get more women to run for office, then we get them to represent their communities, stand up and make that ch those changes, right? Women are the ones leading our families. Black women are a majority of breadwinners in their communities. They lead their families. Over 70% of black households are led by women, right? But when you look at our government, a government of white men who are making decisions for everybody in this country, that, that, that does not reflect where we should be. And so those numbers need to change, as I'm sure you understand. Oh, oh, firsthand, I understand that those need to change. Absolutely. Um, you've said so many things that, uh, that, I, could, that I could address there. Um, yes, uh, black women are, are, are working more than uh, their counterparts, but although that they are paid less for doing the same job, uh, right. you know, uh, we have education, uh, higher education levels. Um, but uh, you know what? Um, this, it seems like Dare to Run has this, you know, type of organization is in uh, a thriving period um, where, you know, right now we're in, uh, the, uh, in, in the movement of, uh, you know, of making sure that uh, or, or trying to ensure that uh, everyone is is treated equally, um, and so um, there is a movement called the Black Lives Matter movement, um, which I know that you are familiar with. Um, mm -hmm. I I want to say, do you feel or do you see actually um, enrollment for uh, for for this type of of career um, that you know increasing or uh, or you know expanding? I guess because um, it seems like we're in a uh, movementful um, uh, time <laughs> in in our lives, and um, and running for office seems to be quite popular. Are you seeing the same? Are you finding this to be true? Um, I mean, I'm just someone kind of on the outside looking in, uh, but you're working with that nonprofit. Uh, are you, is enrollment up? Is what I'm saying? Uh, is interest? Do you see that there's more interest now than ever before to run for office? Or women running for office, or just you know, uh, running for office in general? Yeah. Oh, undoubtedly. So in 2020 alone, you know, if you look back at 2018, we had over 500 women run for House and Senate seats in this country, and we thought that was a lot, right? The first year of the woman was 1992. After that whole debacle between Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas, right? That that kind of ignited. Mm -hmm a fury among women in this country. And then when Trump was elected back in 2016, that ignited the second fury, right? So you had all these women coming mm. out in mass droves, right? Mostly Democratic mm -hmm. women, right? Let's call spade a spade. They were mostly coming out to challenge Trump. They were inspired by Trump and Bernie and Hillary. Each of these three people, these you know older white people had a, a, a huge influence on women's decision to run in this country. I think definitely Trump will get the most credit for that um, as far as that goes. But, <laughs> but if, if well, that, you, that's if something, you, that's a feather in his cap. That's the only one. <laughs> yeah, the only feather. And, and it's a beautiful pink feather in a cap that just maybe doesn't even fit anymore. Okay, all right, moving on. Anyway, so in 2020, though, if you look at the numbers of women running in 2020, right, we have over 600 women who filed papers across the country, right? So that mm -hmm. surpasses the numbers we had in 2018. We have about 570 women running for House seats and about 30 mm. or 40 women running for Senate seats. So as the years wow. go on, we're seeing more and more women running. So the numbers are higher than they've ever been, right? 
if you look at Minnesota, over 40 black women are running for city council seats across the state of Minnesota. Everywhere in this country, women, mm-hmm. in particular women of color, are breaking barriers. They're deciding to run for office. This is something we've never seen before, right? Historically, if you look at our nation's history, the first women to run for office mostly did so to fill you know, vacancies that were left by their deceased husbands, right? They were white Republican women in Midwestern states who ran to fill their husband's seats. But now it's, it's like a total 180. You have black women running all over this country. You have Latino women running all over this country. And they're doing it because they want to run, not because they're trying to fill someone else's shoes. So that's just something that's really important to note as we go forward in this process. So interesting. Oh, wow. Um, so so we're tr- up so I I think that's I think that's a positive thing um I, I think you'll agree <laughs> um so so this is right up your alley uh, so what advice do you have for women seeking political office and what if what are the attributes one should possess mm-hmm. well you know as far as attributes go I would definitely say you need to have an interest in the community or the district that you're running in. You have Mm -hmm. to have not only an awareness of the issues, but I would suggest you run in a district if you have strong ties or strong connections to it. If you're involved in Mm -hmm. community boards or civic associations or nonprofit organizations, you know, that's something that's really important. You want to show when you when your name appears on the ballot, people want to be able to say, oh, I saw Melissa Green at a community board meeting. Right. Or I saw her. Mm -hmm. She sits on the board of the transportation initiatives. Right. You want people, there has to be an element of name recognition. You want people to know that you've done the work in your community to represent them. You, you've you taken an interest in the issues and you have a platform and agenda for change. So when they go to the ballot box and they cast their vote for you, you want them to be able to say, Melissa's got my vote or Jennifer's got my vote or whomever, you know? So, and yeah, I think my advice for women running would definitely be to sign up for the Dare to Run program. You know, we have an amazing program with phenomenal instructors who put a lot of heart and a lot of soul and a lot of energy into putting these presentations together for you and a lot of time as well, right? So we have really, really amazing people who have prepared these presentations that will be uploaded that you can access once you sign up for the program. And this is not something you want to miss out on, right? It's virtual. You can do it at your own pace. It's really the simplest way to get the information you need and to build those networks and those connections and communities that you need to run for office. So definitely visit our website, daretorun.org, and apply for our program. It's a simple Google form. You fill it out. Application comes directly. And then we let you know by the first week of September after Labor Day. So, Michelle, well, thank you so much for that information. But just um, piggybacking off of that question, off of your answer, um, if someone decides to uh, take your program, they're accepted, um, and they're in the program, and they complete successfully, um, right after the program, you know, what if they decide, you know what, I don't want to pursue this at this time, but perhaps at a later date, um, is that uh, something that um, that happens, or uh, or do you only suggest people that are ready right now, uh, you know, r- immediately after or following this program, you should just you know follow through with this and and take those next steps. Uh, what do you say about that? So yeah, I mean, you know, our program was designed for women who. I mean, it's not like you're going to wake up one day and say I'm going to run for office. I mean, some people do that, and that's great. That's spontaneity at its best, but this program was really designed for women who are, 
you know, a little bit more involved in the thought process and want to have more information before they consider making a decision like that. So it, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily designed for somebody who wants to just wake up and say, I'm going to run for office. Sure, we know that you want to run. That's why you're here. But we also want you to have the information and the knowledge necessary to make a decision like that. So it may be more for, it may be Got more it. ideally suited for women who are graduating college or who've graduated college, maybe considering a master's program and possibly running for office that, that just kind of want to get a feel for the what a campaign looks like and what the day-to-day life is and things like that. So it's definitely for somebody who wants to acquire more information before they make a decision like that. So. Okay. Okay. That's, that's great. That's good to, good to hear. Um, if, uh, if a woman, you know, wants to table that uh, after she takes the program, she can and, and, you know, and still seek public office uh, in the future. So, um, so that's great uh, news. You, um, you, you put together these amazing events, uh, Rochelle. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I had the pleasure of um, uh, jumping on a Zoom meeting um, a few nights ago um, where you did this Black Women Lead and you, and you had a panel dedicated to uh, answering questions uh, about uh, – running for office, but you had on the panel, you had the women that have actually ran for office uh, and have won. And, um, and so uh, you, do you want to talk a little bit of, about that? Because I thought that was fantastic. Great. I'm, I'm, and I'm glad you were able to join us and thank you for doing that. Sure. So, um, so, you know, obviously there's a lot going on in this country right now. We have a, a, um, a pandemic that's happening that's already claimed so many hundreds of thousands of lives, right? And in particular, I'm noticing that, you know, people in the black community are being disproportionately affected, you know, not just by the illness itself, but also in larger urban communities where they don't have access to testing sites and at Mm -hmm. the same level of testing sites that, you know, women and families and white communities have. So, you know, looking at that and then also looking at a lot of the incidents that are happening with law enforcement regarding police brutality towards black people who did not deserve that, right? They did not deserve that treatment. And even officers who have acknowledged that it's not appropriate to use that level of force in these types of situations. So collectively looking at all these incidents and and seeing what's happening in this country right now, I think it's really, I I felt that it was really important for us to have a conversation, you know, from, from women who are currently serving in elected positions and also a woman who is running for New York's 15th congressional district, Shavona Newsom, and she's a co-founder of Black Lives Matter Greater New York. She's a good friend of mine. I know her. I love her. Oh, I wonderful. love the work that she does. Yeah, and she came to. She actually came to our Dare to Run, um, our final class last year during the first semester, and she handed out the certificates to students in the program. So I wanted to make it a little bit extra special for them. I wanted to see a woman. I wanted them to see a woman of color who's running who's making a difference, who's already made a difference in her community. And now she's just adding like an extra layer of icing to an already pretty large cake, if you ask me. So um, (laughs) I love that. Yeah, no, it's a really big cake and it should say say BLM and it should have pink and purple frosting. And I think we should all get a cake. I'm just kidding. Don't say cake. I'm I'm trying. I'm trying to get off of this COVID-15, but Yeah. But continue, Um, but that's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, you were saying. So I was saying, yes. So I really wanted to give, you know, black women a chance to sit down and have a conversation. And, you know, we had our wonderful uh, moderator who is Sheba Simpson. She was actually a student in the Dare to Run program. She's an alumni. She completed the second semester. 
and she um, she's currently running for City Council District 9 in Manhattan, which is um, Upper Manhattan, you know, Washington Heights, Harlem, that area. So, so for me, I felt like this was really, you know, a pivotal moment to sit down and have a conversation with Black women because their voices are so often not heard, you know, and their communities are impacted directly, but we don't hear from them and we don't see how these things are. I mean, we see it, we see it on the news, but I wanted to give them the platform and the opportunity to have a conversation that they lead because we know black women are leaders. We've seen it already in, in so many different contexts and so many situations. We've seen black women always rise to the occasion and demonstrate good leadership skills. So I figured this conversation was important to have at this time as a result of everything that's happening in our country right now. And the fact that there are so many issues in the black community that need to be addressed by black people. So, and a platform you have given them, uh, Rochelle. Um, I, like I said, I attended, and and I and the host. She was she was wonderful. She was just wonderful. Um, um, you know, um, you could feel the passion. You could tell that she's serious about running uh, for office, and but she's serious about her community and concern. And I learned so much about healthcare and what and what uh, where healthcare is lacking on panel that night. So, um, you know, keep keep up uh, keep doing what you're doing by bringing us this, these uh, events and information. Um, and so, um, I want to. Uh, to ask you about a little bit more about Dare, Dare to Run in the future, future of Dare to Run. Um, I just want to know, uh, you know, where do you see Dare to Run in five years? I know earlier you mentioned you may run for office in, in sometime in the future. Uh, that might be five years into the future. But where do you see Dare to Run in five years? So in five years, you know, ideally, and I get that, you know, we're not in an optimal situation right now with the pandemic that's kind of, it's kind of disemployed everybody keeping them at home. So everybody is mm-hmm. used to a much more isolated uh, vantage point by now. So, but my hope for Dare to Run is that we can train at least a thousand women to run for office. And that's around the country, obviously, not just in New York, but in, in all the states that are outlined in our strategic plan on our website, you know, states like Alabama, West Virginia, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Florida, all these states, you know, we would ideally like to train mm-hmm. approximately a thousand people at least, and that's the least, obviously, that's the minimal goal to run for office. Wow. And if 40% of those women do run campaigns and do win, that would be ideal, right? We don't expect all the women to run. We know that's not going to happen. But if we could get at least 40%, so 400 people out of that group to run in five years, I think that would be, for us, for a smaller organization like ours, I think that would be really, really wonderful. Well, for a smaller organization, you sure have reach. <laughs> um, Rochelle Swizza, I want to thank you for joining me today on T's Table Talk. I have learned so much uh, about your organization, about Dare to Run. Um, uh, I appreciate uh, you uh, as a woman, you know, being a leader and also, uh, but not just being a leader, um, because you have also uh, held, helped us uh, climb the ladder with you. You are bringing and uplifting other women. So I commend you for that, and I thank you for that. And I look forward to uh, uh, what can be um, revealed in the future about Dare to Run. And if you ever need me to support your cause, your organization, please just let me know. Uh, I am available to, do moder- to moderate as well.
<laughs> oh, wonderful. Yeah, I'd love to have you moderate a panel for us. Sure. Thank you. Oh, I really? Oh, wow. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> I would love to do it. I would love to do it. Thank you okay, so great. much for yeah, joining no, me today. I have my, my speakers bureau for moderators. That's great. <laughs> That's amazing. And and listen, like I said, if there's anything, uh, any support that you need, of course, um, and we'll, you know, make sure to add you to our, our newsletter to run to our newsletter as well. Um, you will be in the newsletter. So, um, and uh, so I have some that I'm working on, the first one, uh, and that will be going out. Um, but I want to thank you again so much for joining me today on Tuesday. We'll talk. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Please send me a link. I can't wait to hear it. Thank you.